Baker, and thank you for joining us on AVM Alliance, a pediatric stroke podcast for families and friends whose lives have been affected by traumatic brain injury, brain vessel disease, or stroke. The purpose of this podcast is to focus on the kid side of brain injury with honest talk, news, information, and discussion for our community. Being a parent of a medically complex child is an extremely difficult path to suddenly find yourself on. I'm Raylene Lewis, and my son Kyler suffered a hemorrhagic stroke at age 15. Thank you for joining us. In brain news, I received an article from one of our listeners that was published yesterday by MSN. The headline reads, Doctors dismissed these three young people's symptoms as migraines or drug-related, but they were really having strokes. I was very happy to see something in the mainstream media about strokes occurring in younger people and the awareness that young people who have a stroke are often prone to misdiagnosis. In the article, two of the young stroke victims were diagnosed by doctors as having a migraine, and the doctor of the third was convinced that the patient had done drugs. I relate to this so much because this is exactly what happened in the case of my 15-year-old son. We immediately rushed him to the doctor within 20 minutes or so of the onset of his symptoms, but were told that he was suffering from a severe migraine. The doctor gave my kid a shot, told me to take him home and put him to bed. And when I questioned this diagnosis, I was told that if I wasn't convinced it was a migraine, I could make the choice to drive my kid to the hospital, which I did. When we got there, the nurses were very nonchalant. They told me to have my kid pee in a cup, which we did right away, but I kept insisting drugs were not our problem. I felt truly ignored by both sets of medical professionals, and it wasn't until they finally did a CT scan on my son that we got him the help he needed. The CT showed he needed emergency brain surgery to relieve the pressure from the brain bleed. As yesterday's news article said, minutes matter in terms of saving brain tissue and brain function. And when it comes to stroke and younger patients, doctors can overlook the signs and attribute them to more common culprits like stress, drug use, or migraines. This is a huge reason why educating the public about childhood stroke is so very important. It's important to get the right help fast. And speaking of getting the right kind of help, with me today is Dina Chan with the Aneurysm and AVM Foundation, who just recently put out a public service announcement about the importance of remembering TAF when you are in need of help. I've included the link to the PSA in the podcast description below. When you think care, community, advocacy, resources, research, and awareness, TAF is that place. Dina, thank you so much for joining us today. I am so excited to have you here to talk about the Aneurysm and AVM Foundation. Um, what a lot of people might not know is that right after Kyler's bleed, when we left the hospital, um, we were told that Kyler did not have any treatments that were available. And when I got online and started, you know, trying to find a solution because no option was not an option for this mom. Um, I came across you and TAF. So tell everybody a little bit um, about your organization. Well, um, I just want everyone to know that if they haven't met you, um, anyone telling you no is probably a really bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) It just activated you is what happened. It's true. Um, So yeah, I'm the executive director at the Aneurysm and AVM Foundation, or TAF for short, like 
such a mouthful, right? And um, I'm really lucky because I came to the organization from a place of loss, having um, my mother pass away from a burst aneurysm uh, on Christmas Day when I was 16. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't, I didn't, couldn't have imagined actually that an organization like this really existed. Um, the origin story of TAF is really lovely. And basically an amazing neurosurgeon named, you know, Michael Lawton, we all know Mike Lawton, uh, was busy working his fanny off and being led in my mind and probably his too by his nurse, which is Lisa Hannigan. And they're completely cognizant of the fact that they get patients from point A to point B and that B to Z is where they really have their lives. And so they, they started a support group at UCSF. And when newly diagnosed families and patients are out and, and they're looking for the right kind of people to lead them um, and to help them, to really help them in their lives, they're the ones who find TAF. Oh, absolutely. We did. We found TAF. <laughs> and, uh, you have a fabulous PSA, right? That's come out that says, we think do. TAF. One of the prettiest fake doctors you've ever seen. <laughs> I'll be sure to include that in the link. In the, description. In the link. Yeah, exactly. We do. I am very much the sound piece, the leader, the cheerleader, the all the things for TAF. I know that because we are 95% um, volunteer run, which is a completely unique. It is so that when you've been served by TAF in some way, and then you meet that next person, you can say, here, let me send this tool to you so that you can find TAF. And that's the whole purpose. Um, and everyone from you, you're in the PSA. <laughs> yes. To all the way to that. Two seconds of fame. <laughs> yes, you're, it's beautiful. Um, but from from everyone, start to finish saying, you know, come here, find this lifeline. It's literally called, you know, exactly that. Find your lifeline with TAF. And we want to be that. We want to serve people. Talk to me really quick about the TAF Youth Ambassador Program. This is something really unique that you guys offer. Thank you. I'm so grateful for it too. Um, So the Youth Ambassador Program actually serves young people from ages 10 to 19. The program has modules that the young people go through every month. Um, It includes uh, some really, I guess, outstanding opportunities for them to also create situations and opportunities within their community. So we really do encourage that. One of my favorite things is I anticipated it being probably just young people who were affected by the disease directly. Now we have siblings. We have young people whose parents are the ones directly affected. Uh, And this year, this is the first year where we have two who want to be in the neurosurgery side of uh, their, as a career, and they have not been affected directly at all. And yet they're still amazing advocates. These young people continue to bring ideas to the forefront. They interact with one another in a way that is beautiful and supportive, but they also get activated by us on occasion to go back out into their communities to talk to directly affected children. So that's the thing I want to end with and highlight is that if, for example, Tyler wanted someone to talk to that really understood, not just kind of because they're empathetic young people, but like actually understood because they also had an AVM, right? Right. We have so, and they're coast to coast. These young people are coast to coast, uh, one of them around the world, actually. And that is unbelievably impactful that I can, as a 
14-year-old, 17-year-old, 10-year-old, I can talk to another person just like me. It's the reason that Taft's first venture in the world, long before me, um, was to have a walk. They wanted to get people together. And I'm so grateful for all of them. I, I hope they hear that. I, I hope one of them is like, I'll listen to this podcast. And they're like, oh my gosh, Dina just said how much she loves us. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Kyler's sister, Rylan, is a TAF Youth Ambassador. Yes, she is. And she loves it. And she feels like it's her way to kind of deal with her brother's diagnosis and, and try to help as much as she can. So in addition to the um, Youth Ambassador Program, and by the way, that's a yearly thing, right? Like you take yes. applications. What's mm -hmm. very briefly, how does that process work? Yeah, it's it's just that. It's application-based. So they apply every year and some of them are put in front of a committee. Some of them are approved by me directly. If you go online, something else that's amazing is that you guys have, is it TAF for Kids? <laughs> it is. Yeah. All right. So tell us a little bit about TAF for Kids. We wanted to have a pediatric initiative and we have one of the best um, pediatric neurosurgeons on the West Coast as part of our organization and neurologists. Like they're just an amazing group of people. You've met them. Like, you know, all these people. They and are so absolutely amazing. They are. And we're like, how do we, how do we make sure that we begin to have a conversation about pediatrics because it's very different. So it's a vehicle okay. for people to be able to find the youth ambassador program and to get connected. This is, it's all about connectivity. And you have a pet youth ambassador now, right? <laughs> I don't know if he's a youth because like dogs are older, right? Like, so oh yes. My, my yeah, so he might be the elderly uh, pet ambassador. He's a pet star. So we do, we have a pet ambassador and his name is Marley. And actually What's great about all of this is that the Youth Ambassador Program has highlighted some of the most amazing ways that TAF serves because it's just replicated in a younger version, right? You have done a couple of um, get-togethers where other kids can all get online via Zoom, right? We did kind of like an art-related opportunity where you could sign up for a class. And, uh, there was photography, et cetera. And so they hosted that as well, where you could sign up that day, come to an event where they were also participating. So you might be in an art class with one of them and get to, you know, basically hang out without having brain aneurysm and AVM information like stuffed down your throat. I think that that is very important for this group, especially because they don't want to be lectured to. Nobody wants to be lectured to. But if we can meet you in a social way, it's so much more organic. It's more fun. I believe in edutainment, right? So we're like educating you, but also entertaining you. Tyler participated in one where it was like, show your pet or something. Yeah, uh, that one was super fun too. We had, oh my gosh, we had a petting zoo. That was right. It was an online petting zoo. It was a virtual petting zoo and it was amazing. Um, and everyone brought something so different. One of the, the young men brought a, a snake. Do you remember that? I do. I yeah. do. And, and had some really cute stuffed animals for the people that stuffed animals. Exactly. Yes. It was. Yeah. So don't dare me. Don't tell Raylene no. And don't dare me to do something fun. Like those are the rules. <laughs> <laughs> you got to have some fun when you have brain vessel disease. Fun in some places, whenever possible, is a requirement. Absolutely. Now, Speaking of like having the kids and everybody get together, um, TAF does a monthly thing for um, adults, right? Um, and that's your TAF support group meeting. Can you talk a little bit about that? I can. So just as I said at the top of this um, 
Lisa and Mike had, you know, created this on the ground support group. Well, so many amazing things have come out of COVID time, you know, like our magazine, talk about heart projects. I just kept starting it and putting it back on the shelf. Um, but zoom became part of everyone's life. And I made a very conscious decision right off the bat. Like we had been this support group had been happening on a monthly basis before TAF existed. I was not going to stop doing it. We would figure this out. And so we started having it over Zoom. Um, Then we just recently in the last six months have two sessions. So it's uh, 6 p.m. on the East Coast. Then later it's 6 p.m. on the West Coast. Um, The greatest thing about it is that you have legacy people. There are people still in this group who have been there before TAF existed. To me, that's, it blows me away because that means we have consistently been of service to them for over 18 years. Like that's, that's just amazing to me that someone that not someone, someone's plural, that people continue to come back because they find so much good in this. And it is the model that we're trying to replicate, as you know, um, for our youth side, it's much harder to start a youth support group. Um, Young people don't necessarily want to go to support group. So you have to, again, kind of edutain, right? But the support group is wonderful. We have a lot of um, people who come in and talk to us, which is great. So we bring in a lot of speakers. When I bring in folks to talk to support group, they have thousands of questions. And it's a really giving, safe, amazing place. And there's a newbie every time. We always have new folks come in. Um, I love it. I love hosting support group. I think it's just a very welcoming environment and it's great for caregivers, you know, to listen to and for You're making such a good point because it's it's absolutely a thousand percent not just like survivors or right. just newly diagnosed. It is every section of this community, every section. There are sometimes physicians who have come in to hear other physicians talk. Like it's yeah, it's a great group. Speaking of physicians, because I know we're getting uh, short on time, um, when people, you know, you tell them you want them to think tough, when they have issues or, or they have questions or they want another opinion, um, talk about how what what TAF can offer to parents who are trying to find the right treatment for their kids. Well, you above anyone know how this worked. So I'm going to use you as a little bit of a a template, but essentially what TAF does is we offer individualized resource support. It means that a real person, this is my legacy building. Okay. When my mother passed away, there was nothing, there were no resources. There was no one to explain to us how to move on in life and let alone what happened to her. (laughs) So as a newly diagnosed person, um, as Kyler was newly diagnosed, when you found us, we stopped. A physical person. In this example, it was me. Real we, A real, actual person. <laughs> and we spoke uh, often, actually. You and I spoke all of the time. And anyone who's ever gotten an email from me also gets my cell phone number because we want people to have that connectivity. You should never, ever, once you've found TAF, you should not feel alone. There's no reason. You always have a way to get in touch with us. So what we began doing is... Uh, really reaching out coast to coast to different people that you and I, and I do this all the time, had identified as possible folks for you to talk to. These were typically neurosurgical teams. um, And it's essentially how to help find second opinions. And one of the things that I think 
newly diagnosed, especially the parents don't know, like, why would they, is that people want to help them, (laughs) right? They keep coming up against these walls of, oh, that AVM isn't treatable or that brain. How does your kid have a brain aneurysm? We don't see children very often, right? All of these, especially if you're in a rural situation, oh my gosh. But the reality is that, especially on the AVM side, you want to hit neurosurgical centers that do this all day, every day, AVM, AVM, AVM. And I just happen to be lucky enough to be able to know who they are, talk to these people. They want to be helpful. And we start to connect those folks. And it's a very easy process. It does it in your case, <laughs> I actually made you create a, a spreadsheet because uh, yes. ultimately you were vetting way more people than I would have wanted you to. I know. But, I'm sorry. I had paralysis, but after analysis, you, yes. You know. Analysis paralysis, <laughs> uh, because it does become very hard. Um, one of the things that I would share with your listeners is that in that all physicians that are worth anything want you to have a second opinion because they want you to feel confident in the decisions that you are making. They are, if, if you ever, I don't care if you're going in for a broken finger or like brain surgery, if someone says, oh, why would you get a second opinion? You're not in the right place for you. That's right. all, right? And so it's important to know that the decision-making process is supposed to be initial, right? So you get an initial diagnosis of, let's say, there's zero treatment option. That stinks. So then you get a second opinion and that one is supposed to be compared to the first. So in other words, if you get a neurosurgeon, which is an extraordinarily smart and learned person who agrees with the first opinion, you probably can be done because you have two extremely amazing people agreeing. The hard part about AVM is that they're all these tiny little, um, you know, snowflakes, they're very different, every single one of them. And so a third opinion can be, uh, you know, achieved if the second opinion differs. And that's where you and many people do start to get a little um, put off because now you're getting lots of different opinions, right? So the more complicated your AVM, the more complicated the treatment option might be. But what you need to hear is that TAF is going to be there along that process forever. As long as we are needed, we will be with people, you know? And so I think that that's, that's really at the core of think TAF. If you are in need of a resource, think TAF. If you are feeling low and you really need to talk to someone who's been in your situation, pardon me, you know, think TAF, all of these different ways, that's what we do. We care individually for every single person as often and as completely as we can. You absolutely do. And, you know, in, in my defense, I had a lot of people telling me a lot of different things. So Dina, she did. I mean, Dina walked me through, I had 16, 16 neurosurgeons because my kid's AVM is very complex. <laughs> but now for thinking TAF, where does somebody go? I would say my favorite things are when someone tags me uh, out on social media somewhere, because inevitably what they'll do and they've learned or I've taught them is just to send them immediately my email. Like, why not? Like, just have them email me. But if someone were to randomly go on like tafonline.org, which is our website, there's a contact opportunity there. If you're out, let's say like on Instagram, you can find us directly from, you know, all of that link in bio. We're going to be everywhere. What we're going to do is we're going to try to help you find places that are local, places that 
absolutely have given um, the thumbs up that yes, they want to participate by us sending, you know, other people and connecting them to their programs. But you want to find places that do it all day. Every like that's their thing. You want to go to neurosurgical centers uh, and centers of excellence. So um, centers who specialize in your kid's condition, whatever it is. Correct. Correct. And that's not to you know in some way give a rural hospital you know a hard time. Uh, but I will tell you that from my experience, these uh, centers of excellence, just they just have done them more often. You could have yeah. an extraordinarily, you know, amazing fill in the blank here with whatever kind of physician you're looking at in where I was, Princeton, Illinois, like tiny bum, little tiny town, um, you know, but he or she probably has done two AVMs as opposed to someone in a center of excellence that's done two today. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like that's, that's all it is, it, you know? And so, um, I, I do not want to ever appear to say like, you know, one is better than the other. They're all amazing centers and all neurosurgeons and their neuro staffs and every way neurologists, all of these people are the bread and butter of getting you from point A to point B. We want to make sure that TAF helps you from B to Z. Love it. Love it. And again, if somebody wants to reach you, they can go to tafonline.org or uh, is that just the best way and hit contact or find, find that that's, yeah, it's super easy because it doesn't come directly to me. Well, thank you so very much for joining us today. Really appreciate it, Raylene. Always helpful. Really. Thanks. In chapter four of our focus book, Suffer Strong, Jay discusses pain and perspective. He points out the word trauma will often stir up deep emotional responses because on some level, all of us, everyone has experienced trauma. Perspective and trauma, he says, is required for cultivating self-awareness, gratitude, and growth outside of our own tendency toward self-focus. If we look at our trauma and the trauma around us from a broader perspective, we as a people will realize we are not alone in our feelings of what is happening to us, and this helps us to remove the idea of seeing ourselves as victims. What Jay is saying here is that there will always be harder stories than ours, and there will always be easier ones. It is up to us to figure out what we are going to do with our trauma. Jay says, the world is not safe. Yet, when we isolate ourselves from the possibility of harm, we also deprive ourselves of the beauty our brokenness can display, and we dismiss the powerful experience of resilience. Just because one person's pain might not be the worst-case scenario doesn't mean that it is still not pain, and none of us need to apologize to anyone, ourselves included, for the stories that we've been given. The biggest challenge is how to maintain hope while coping with unwanted realities. PTSD isn't just for folks coming back from war. It's also for those who have fought against life's hardest experiences. The takeaway is that trauma can open up a different way of living, a way that might lead to a life more fully lived and one with fewer regrets on the end. Suffering in general can force life stresses and distractions to fall away, inviting us to a clearer view of the things in life that matter most. Today's quote is by Lori Goodwin. Even in times of trauma, we try to maintain a sense of normalcy until we no longer can. That, my friends, is called surviving, not healing. We never become whole again. We are survivors. If you are here today, you are a survivor. But 
those of us who have made it through hell and are still standing, we bear a different name. Warriors. I always like to end our time together with a motivational song recommendation. I don't play the song because of copyright laws, but there have been many times on this journey where a song has really spoken out to me and helped me with my day. Today, I'm recommending you check out the single, Burn the Ships, the 3RHAB remix version by King & Country that came out in 2019. Step into a new day. We can rise up from the dust and walk away. Light a match, burn the ships, and don't you look back. And as always, if you have questions, have a topic you would like to hear about, or a great song or motivational quote, don't be shy. Share it in the comments and let us know. And if you liked what you heard today, please go online and rate this podcast. Remember, you're never walking this journey alone. Take care, y'all.